Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. Do you guys remember when, when Donald Trump first became president and they were asking, anybody, anyone? Okay, so like when he first became president and they're asking him, so are you Christian? He goes, oh yeah, I go to church. I, I drink the juice and I have that little wafer. And I was like, ah, so you're hardcore then, right? Um, anyway, I think if, if you take a flippant view where it's like, oh, it's just, you know, you just, you, you drink the juice, you have the wafer because that's what good Christians do. I think somewhere between those two points, to me, it's, 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 it crosses the line to weird to go, this literally is his body and his blood in terms of actual substance. But I think reckoning to my heart and my mind a level of reverence as though it were and prophetically preparing my heart that what I'm coming to isn't just going through the motions, but I could actually meet God and, and participate in the fellowship of his suffering by actually really prayerfully considering his work, I think that we, we could, I think we could grow, right, in our understanding of, of where the Lord wants to meet us at his table. And so, you know, there's, there's a scriptural principle that says that without faith, and this is in God's word, without faith, the book of Hebrews tells us this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God just by doing something because you're told to do it. You have to mix it with faith. I've met people, you've met people who've read the Bible and it's done nothing for them. Why? Because it's not just reading the Bible as though it were a book. It's reading it and mixing it with faith. Asking God to open your eyes to see what's there. It's not enough to just be like, oh, I read the Bible, so therefore I've done my, my religious obligation. But if I say, God, would you show me and would you speak to me through your word? That's different. You're mixing it with faith. Does that make sense? And so coming to the table of the Lord, coming to communion and just being like, yeah, okay, so we think about the cross and it's kind of sad for a minute and then we move on and we do this because this is what Christians do, you know, once a month or so. We might, or I could just take out the word might, I think we're emptying the significance of what God wants to do as we come to the table of the Lord together. That we could mix faith in. And I'm not asking you to, you know, to, to say, okay, I, I really want to believe this actually becomes his flesh and his blood. But what I am asking is, could we ask the Lord, would you show me the level of sacrifice that it took for you to lay down your, your body and shed your blood for me and show me what it means? I think that could be a worthy exercise as we come to the table of the Lord tonight. And so that's, that's what we're going to do. When Jesus offered the bread, so, so this is kind of what happens in communion. The very first time that the Lord's Supper was celebrated. Why is it called the Lord's Supper? Well, it was, it was the final meal that Jesus had with his, with his 12 disciples the night that he was betrayed, he had a meal together with them. And the meal, 
Just think of how amazing God's timing is. They were having a Passover meal. And the Passover was something that was celebrated and is still celebrated by Jewish people for thousands of years when God delivered the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. And when they were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years, God gave them a sign of his deliverance. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a year-old, blameless, perfect, unblemished lamb, and I want you to slit its throat. I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to take the blood of that lamb, and I want you to put it on the doorposts of your homes. And the angel of death is going to pass over this land. And when the angel of death sees the blood on the doorpost, it will pass over your home. But if there's no blood on that doorpost, it will take the firstborn of every family, of every, of every flock, of every herd. It will take the firstborn of everyone. And so when that event happened, God asked his people by faith to take that lamb, slit its throat, put the blood on the doorpost, which admittedly is like gross and Peter would be upset, okay? But it was also a prophetic sign of what was needed because it speaks to the reality that you and I still live under is that there is an angel of death. There is There are powers of darkness that hover over this world that are aiming to take you out. And that's that's not spooky and Hollywood. That's just the reality that there's more to life than concrete, carpet, wood, steel, flesh, and blood. There's a spiritual reality all around us. And it's not neutral. There's good, there's evil, there's heaven, there's hell. And so when God delivered his people out of captivity in, in uh, Moses' generation, they, they were engaging in this act of spiritual warfare that was actually submission. It wasn't fighting back. It was just obedience to what God had asked them to do. And so they took the blood of this blameless male lamb and they put it on the doorposts. And when the angel of death came over that land that night, The reason that the Jews celebrate the Passover is because the angel of death passed over them. They did not experience that death in their household. But when that angel of death saw the blood, it passed over them. But the Egyptian captors who did not have that warning and did not apply the blood, they lost all of their firstborn. And there was wailing and grief that happened everywhere. And there was this distinction between following the plan of salvation in that Old Testament era. And so now, fast forward, Jesus is God in the flesh, and when he came to the world as a human being, he'd never committed sin. He's an unblemished lamb. The firstborn lamb of God. And the revelation of Jesus that God gave to John the Baptist in a wilderness when his eyes were open to recognize who Jesus was, he said, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. And so those who were following Jesus understood this title, Lamb of God, but what was happening on the very first, the, the, the last supper that we're, we're going to read about when Jesus is with his disciples on the night that he's betrayed It's happening, think of God's timing, it's happening on Passover weekend. That the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the whole world, not 
a little lamb animal that protects you against the angel of death over a weekend of darkness. But the lamb of God whose shed blood could take away all of your sin, that the punishment that you deserve for sinning, and if you think you haven't sinned, you're fooling yourself, we've all sinned. None of us are perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory and God's purpose. We've all sinned. The Lamb of God, Jesus, on Passover weekend, sits with his disciples, and they're expecting to celebrate Passover. The Jews call it the cedar. They're expecting to celebrate the cedar, not cedar wood, S-E-D-E-R. They're expecting to celebrate this Passover meal. And Jesus, their rabbi, which means teacher, they're expecting him to lead him through tradition. And instead, he flips the script. They're expecting to just have the meal and sing a couple of their traditional songs. They've been doing this since they were kids. They do this on every Friday, but it's extra special now on Passover weekend because once a year we really go all in on this feast, and it's a whole thing. And they're expecting their teacher to lead them through tradition. And Jesus passes the bread and he passes the wine and he says this in Luke 22 verse 19 he took the bread gave thanks broke it gave it to them and said this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me He says in Matthew 26, verse 27 and 28, he took the cup. This is Matthew's version of the same event. There aren't four Gospels. There's one Gospel, four different perspectives. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, what I like to do when I read scriptures, I like to put myself in the story as best I can. And so if I imagine I was one of the disciples, everybody wants to imagine you're Peter, James, or John. There was 12 of them. You're like, let's just pretend you're Thaddeus, okay? What did that guy do? I don't know. He sat there and had communion with Jesus, okay? Maybe Bartholomew. What did he do? I don't know. He had a crazy name, Bartholomew. You're just sitting at the table. You're not a main character. You're not a player. You're not doing anything significant to the storyline. You're just there. That's what I like to do. And I'm sitting at the table expecting my teacher to talk to me about Passover. And he goes deep and says, this bread is my body. Broken for you. Do I even want to eat this? Not for gross, for honor. Take it and eat it. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whoa. Covenant. This is a new deal with God. A new covenant of how God is going to deal with me for the rest of my life. And I'm sitting at this table expecting to participate in Passover. And Jesus flips the script and says, we're not looking back on a great deliverance from thousands of years ago. We're looking right now what's happening tonight. This bread is my body. This cup is my blood. Eat it and drink it. Eat it and and drink it. 
The question I would have if I'm no-name Thaddeus is why? Why do you want me to eat this as, as your body and drink this as your blood? And, and for me, theologically, why I can't get down with the transubstantiation idea is just just because it is weird to like, oh, this really turns into his flesh and blood. Just straight up, that's weird. But also, it's to miss the point. Jesus isn't saying, let's indulge in cannibalism for a sack, and it'll be really powerful. He, that, that, that moves us out from the mindset of reverence that he's inviting us into. This is deep. Like, this is a deep weekend. He's, he's sitting there, and they would sit. They didn't have tables and chairs. They just had, like, a low raised table, just, you know, six inches, and they leaned on one another around the table. And he takes the bread, and he passes it around, and as it's being broken and torn to bits, there's a picture being painted. This bread is my body, and you're watching it get ripped apart. And your heart is saying, I don't want that to happen to you, Jesus. And he takes the cup and he passes it around. He said, this is my blood. Take it and eat it and drink it. And, and remember me. Don't remember Passover from thousands of years ago. But recognize that was foreshadowing. That was pointing to what's happening tonight. Jesus, are you, I don't, I don't get it. Are, are you, are you going to be torn apart? Are you going to pour your blood out? See, the, the disciples didn't. Get it, even when Jesus talked openly. I'm going to be betrayed, and I'm going to be handed over to the Pharisees, and they're going to put me to death. And because Jesus talked in word pictures so much, they were just like, this is a weird word picture. I don't get the meaning of this story. And Jesus is like, it's not a story. It's actually what's going to happen. I'm like, I don't get it. That's weird. And now he's like, this is my body, and they're like, okay, and this is my blood. Okay, okay. Then he leans in deeper and says, one of you is going to betray me. Now I'm no name Thaddeus sitting there going, is this a word picture or is this happening? One of you is going to betray me. And so everybody, not just the teacher's pet, John, and they say, ask him what he's talking about. What does he mean? Because they all have a tender conscience. I want you to get this. They sit around the table, and when Jesus says, this bread is my body, this cup is my blood, this is a new covenant, take it, eat it, drink it in remembrance of me. And then he says, one of you is going to betray me with tender heart, one by one. They go, 
Lord, is it me? Am I going to betray you tonight? Think of that. They're so broken in his presence and so humbled by what he's saying. We're done questioning you. We're just now heartbroken. And they nudge the teacher's pet and they say, John, ask him. Who's going to betray you? And so John, Bible says he's the one leaning on Jesus, right? Because they all kind of lean like human dominoes around the table. That's how they did it back then. And so he's leaning on Jesus like this. And so he's just, you know, having a little bread. And he's like, so, uh, so the guys are wondering, who's going to betray you? And Jesus goes, the one who dips the bread into the cup with me right now. And he dips his bread in there, and Judas does at the same time. Now, that's crazy, right? Like, you're like, is this a word picture? <laughs> like, what if I was the guy just going to dip my bread in the cup? Like, is it just whoever dips in the cup? Now you're the, the guy who betrays? Jesus just like, Perfectly on time, he's like, just this guy, watch. And then he looks at Judas and he says to him, what you need to do, go do quickly. And Judas gets up from the table and he walks out. Now get this. Jesus just said, one of you is going to betray me. He's saying, I'm going to get torn apart and I'm going to bleed tonight, but I want you to partake of it. I don't want you to turn away from it. The same way it would be hard for you to slit the throat of a year-old, blameless little lamb. That's just the cutest little thing. And I want you to cut that little fluff ball and rub its blood <laughs> on the doorpost. In the same way, he's saying, you think that's hard? Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. One of you is going to betray me. Is it me? Is it me? Lord, who's it going to be? It's the guy who's going to dip into the cup right now. Whatever you need to do, you go do quickly. Judas gets up and walks out. And nobody goes, well, hold on a second, Judas. Because it was emotional. It was hard to understand. We can kind of think they were just so slow. But I think if you were no-name Thaddeus sitting at the table, I don't think you had been such a hot shot either. Like, what is happening? And, and John's gospel says, I, I believe it's John's gospel says that when, when Jesus said to Judas, you go on your way, they thought that he was sending him off to do like a, one of his treasure duties because he was the keeper of the money bag. They just thought he had to like go get dessert or something. And so he gets up and he leaves. And get this, the Bible says that at the moment that Judas took the bread, think of this, he took the bread, dipped it in the cup, his body and his blood. Am I going to betray you, Jesus? And Jesus is like, yes. Whatever you need to do, do quickly. And he walks out. And the Bible says at that moment, 
Satan entered him. You know, it's crazy. Judas had talked with the Pharisees already, worked out a signal. Jesus is going to go to his usual place to pray. I'll kiss him on the cheek. You give me 30 pieces of silver. I'll hand them over to you. I'm going to get rich and sell out my best friend. And the Bible says when he took the communion and persisted in his plan, that's when Satan entered him. In other words, everything up until that point was just Judas being a low-life person. Can't blame the devil. He did that just by being determined to not yield to conviction when it came his way. And so when we come to communion, now we fast forward to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because now he wants to teach that local church how to come to the Lord's table, how to take communion. And he talks about the need to examine yourself. Why? Because it's possible to sit around the circle, worship, be familiar, sing the songs, take the bread, go, is it me? Lord, am I going to just go off and dishonor your name tomorrow? Am, am I just going to go ahead doing my own thing and just act like you didn't actually shed your blood for me to pay for my salvation? Am I going to just trample all over it? And Jesus might say, yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be true. So what do I do? How am I supposed to come to the table of the Lord? I don't know what tomorrow holds. He does. I know I'm not perfect. He is. But I don't want to make that my bar of excuse. To, yeah, I just, I just struggle with this. I don't really struggle with it. I pretty much do what I want to do, and then I ask God to forgive me over and over again. I'm just, I don't mind if Jesus takes a few rounds on the cross for me. I wouldn't mind if they punched him in the face one more time, hit the hammer one more time for me because I have things to do. Well, what you need to do, go do quickly. All right. I don't want that to be true. You don't want that to be true. So what does the Apostle Paul say? Well, first he unpacks the manner in which we come to the table. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, For I received from the Lord, verse 23, what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Next verse, verse 27. 
therefore. What does therefore mean? It means, based on what you just read, understand the implications. If you ever start reading the Bible and the first word that you read is therefore, flip back a page or two. You don't get to claim therefores without context. And you don't have full understanding if you just skip the part and get to the part that you want or we cut this out. So he says, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. When Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he said, this is my body. Eat it in remembrance of me. Then in the same way he took the cup, he gave thanks. He passed it around, said, drink this, this is the new covenant of my blood. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I return. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Whoever does, not no name Thaddeus, not Judas, not somebody who got to sit around that table on night one, but whoever, like me, like tonight, like we're going to have communion in a few moments, and I could be the guy I don't want to be. Yeah. If I take communion in an unworthy manner. Well, what's the worthy manner? Next verse. A man or a woman ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep, which is a euphemism for premature death. How serious is this? Deathly serious. What a shame to just turn it into tradition or I just do this because good Christians do. I should mix some faith in and consider what I'm doing. I don't want to come at this in an unworthy manner. That is why many are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Man, if there's a verse for 2024, that might be it. Judging ourselves. Well, I don't judge anybody. I'm not judgmental. Judge yourself. If we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we're judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we'll not be condemned with the world. Let's go back to the table. Paul's saying, picture yourself reclining around that table with the Lord. And as the bread and the cup is passed around, Remember. Remember what? Remember what happened. He said, this bread is my body. A prophetic type of my sacrifice. And this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Take this and eat it and drink it in remembrance of me. One of you is going to betray me. Paul says... Examine yourself. How did the disciples examine themselves? Is it me? 
could, could it be me? Could I possibly be lying to myself? Could I possibly just be trying to just look the part, but maybe I'm not actually letting God deal with some stuff in my heart that he needs to? Not one of them said, well, it's not me. Is it you? Is it I? Could it be me? Examine yourself, Paul says. Because if I don't, I sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Well, what does that look like? It looks like Judas going, is it me? And Jesus goes, yep. And then, cool. Well, what you need to do, go do quickly. All right. I'm on my own interpretation of mercy. I'm on my own journey. I've got my own view of forgiveness. And I'm walking this thing my way. And no one's blocking the door. Just like those disciples, they couldn't jump up and really fully understand what's going on. No one here knows your heart. God knows your heart. I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. God knows your heart. But Paul says, why not partner with God and examine yourself? And why not judge yourself so that you're not judged by God? Like, well, is this in the New Testament? Yeah, this is on the side of the new covenant. Well, I just thought we could do whatever we want and just keep doing laps where God just keeps throwing forgiveness on us. No, that's North American Christianity. That's not Bible Christianity. Bible Christianity is examine yourself. Paul says there are people who actually don't go run too far with this, but he says there are people who get sick and people who even premature die because they're not handling the body and the blood of the Lord with the proper reverence. And, and he says that God judges so that we're not condemned with the world. There's a difference between judgment and condemnation. And if there's anything this generation needs to learn, it's that. Judgment is not the same as condemnation. Conviction is not the same as condemnation. And if you examine yourself in these next few moments and you're like, you know what, I have just been playing church. I've just been fooling myself, thinking I was fooling God, but I'm not actually serious about stopping looking at porn. Like, I'm not serious. I'm, I'm not actually serious about drawing a, a Bible boundary in my relationship. I'm not serious. I just worship and pray and get the spiritual goosebumps and then move on. And I'm Judas walking out the door, if I'm honest. And so God says, through the Apostle Paul, examine yourself and get serious. Why? Here's the beautiful thing. The new covenant in his blood is this. The Bible teaches us that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And if I would examine myself and say, Lord, I have made a commitment towards sin. I'm, I'm persisting in what I know I shouldn't. 
but I'm examining myself and I'm calling my own bluff. I'm just owning it. I'm full of crap. I, I, I'm just playing church right now and I need to get serious. So I'm, I'm done with that. Would you wash me? beautiful is the love of Jesus that he would wash you if you would examine yourself and he would empower you to live for him and cleanse you so that the judgments that the Apostle Paul said can get measured to us through our carelessness could actually be pushed away from us and a whole new kind of Passover happens. That the darkness that's out there isn't in here and isn't in here. And I lean in to his death. It's always interesting to me that Jesus said, you declare my death. Not my resurrection. You declare my death when you eat this bread and you drink this cup. Why? Resurrection is a for sure thing. But what we need to be reminded of is the sacrifice that paid for your hope of resurrection. You need to count that cost. And discern, Paul says, the body and the blood of Jesus. And as the bread is being torn apart, going, that was for me. As the cracker is snapped in your hand, that was for me. And as the cup is taken to your lips and drinking it, it that was for me. I need to be reminded of the sacrifice so that I don't become a cheap grace North American version Christian instead of a true Bible believer that follows after him and judges myself in his presence and receives cleansing and empowerment to live in a new covenant with him. That's what we can participate in tonight. So I just want you to bow your heads and there's some of the leaders are going to go grab the communion elements and we're going to pass those out in a moment. They're going to grab them, but I don't want you to pass them out yet because as your heads are bowed, the first examination that needs to be engaged in across this room is the examination of heart. Do I belong to Jesus at all? Is he the Lord of my life? So we're not going to pass out the communion just yet. We're going to just wait. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm asking you level one heart examination. Do I belong to Jesus. Is he the Lord of my life? Is he the leader of my life? It isn't actually challenging 
to know that or not. Because if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're living differently than if he weren't. You're not living for yourself. You're living for him. And that's apparent in your day-to-day life, your lifestyle, your praying, your choices. He's the leader. You're the follower. He's the master. You're the disciple. He's the potter. You're the clay. And when you ask Jesus to take up leadership in your life and to forgive you of your sin, his Holy Spirit bears witness with your heart that you are a child of God. There's there's a witness on the inside. I belong to Jesus. I know it. I belong to him. The Bible tells us that the Spirit takes residence in our heart and teaches us actually to cry out to God in the Aramaic language, Abba. Daddy, <laughs> Father, that my heart doesn't see God as angry and distant, but my heart sees God as my Father. And so tonight, if before we do anything else, if, if you're in this room and you've not got the assurance that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that could all change right here. You could have... Assurance before God that you belong to him. How? Through repentance, which means what? Confessing your sin to him and asking him to cleanse you. Not persisting in it like Judas walking out the door with your plan set in place, but actually coming to him and saying, Lord, is there anything in me that is displeasing to you? And if the witness of your heart is, I know that you're not even the leader of my life, what you could do tonight is say, God, I'm a mess and I need you to cleanse me and forgive me. And what better place than at your table? What better place than where you demonstrate your love in your broken body and your shed blood for me? I need your cleansing. I need your forgiveness. I need new life. Tonight, if you need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you, would you just lift your hand so that I can pray with you? You want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would there be anyone? Yes. Yes. That's two, three, four, five. Thank you, Jesus. Six. You can put your hand down. Would there be anyone else? I, I need to start here. Jesus. Forgive me of my sin and come take charge of my life. Seven. Would be anyone else? Eight. Thank you, Jesus. See, it's the Holy Spirit that bears witness to our heart that we're children of God and when we're aware that we're not, it's not his angry punishment that looms over us, but it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. The cruelty of the cross is the measure of God's love for you. That's what he was willing to do to bring you into his family and make you his own.
So tonight, if you're here and Jesus is the Lord of your life, along with those who've just raised their hand, these eight that just said, yes, I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of, your li- of my life. I'm going to ask if together we could pray a prayer. And if you're in this room and you're undecided, I want you just to listen in. But those of you that are praying that prayer in recommitment or for the first time, along with the rest of us who Jesus is the Lord of our life so that we can participate together, would you pray a prayer with me? I'm going to pray one line at a time, and I want you to repeat this after me. Would you lift your voice with me? And especially if you raised your hand, would you pray this? Father God, thank you for your word that spoke into my heart tonight. I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I know that you're perfect and that you're the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away all my sin. Tonight, I give you my heart. I ask you to wash me clean. I ask you to fill me with your spirit and help me to live in obedience to you, to your word, and to your ways. Tonight I confess Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And I will follow you from this day forward. No turning back. Search my heart. Cleanse my life. And I declare through faith in you, tonight I am born again. Thank you, Jesus. Would you go ahead and just thank him in your own words? Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for salvation in this room. Thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts. I'm going to ask that the leaders would just come and just begin to distribute the elements of communion. So you just have to be heads up for a sec. As the trays are passed by, just take one cup and one wafer for yourself and then pass it to the next person. Be careful as you pass that along as we're mindful of what this prophetically symbolizes, let's treat it with honor as though it were the actual, physical substance of his body and blood. Hold it with that reverence. Like you're sitting around the table at that last supper. Once you're holding it in your hands, would you look at it? Feel the weight of it? so profound what we get to commemorate tonight and remember together starting this new year with fresh communion with the Lord 
In just a few moments, we're going to partake of these elements. And by partaking, this is no longer some ornamental, traditional, symbolic thing in a tray, but it'll actually be ingested into your being. Physically, this will become part of you as food does. As it makes up the cells in your body through the processes in our bodies. And it's that picture that Jesus invites us into spiritually that we take the cross and we take his sacrifice, his broken body and his shed blood, and we don't stay removed from it and conceptually reflecting upon it, but we ingest it. We let it come, become a part of us and change us. And so hold that in your hands. You can help here in the center section as well, just a few more that are needing some elements together. We almost all have some. Just want to make sure that we all do. Take a few moments and look at what you hold in your hand. Apostle Paul said, examine yourself. Judge yourself. Here in the presence of God and the spirit of his holiness. We ask the Lord like David did, search me. Psalm 139, search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Just close your eyes. Would you pray a prayer like that? That's a bold prayer that God will meet you in. Lord, is there anything in me that's wicked? Is there anything in me, any temptation that I am prone to yield to repeatedly because I have not considered what I hold in my hands. The cost of your broken body and your shed blood, affording a Passover for my soul, purchasing salvation and eternal life for me, cleansing me from sin and empowering me in a new covenant to live free from what has entangled my generation. Search me, God. If there's anything in me that is not taking this seriously, search me, Holy Spirit. Show me the beauty of Jesus at this table. And as we do that, let's respond. If there's things that are coming to your heart, I just want you to whisper to the Lord your repentance, your confession.
I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me, God, for habits and patterns. Maybe I've been deceived in some areas, but you're turning the light on. Maybe I've read the Bible wrong and I have sinned by faith. I have edited some scripture so that I could do what I want, but my heart is telling me in your presence, I've just been living for me. Search me, God. And you speak out your, your, your repentance to the Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. Search me. Is it me? Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive me. And remove my sin from me, God, as far as the east is from the west. I want you to picture that. If you head as far as you can north, eventually you'll start heading south. As you pass the North Pole, you start moving downward. But if you start heading east, you can head east for the rest of your life and never be heading west. There's no pole in the middle. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Remove my transgression. Remove my sin from me. Move it so far from me, God. Forgive me for empowering the lie that this sin could control me for the rest of my life when your blood speaks a better word and you have the power to cleanse me and set me free. So I confess my sin to you and I acknowledge your forgiveness as I hold in my hands your broken body and shed blood. And I thank you for the power of your spirit available in the new covenant to empower me to live a whole new kind of life, free. Would you pray this? Come, Holy Spirit. Would you get that prayer on your lips? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Sweet Holy Spirit, come upon me and empower me to respond to conviction and to live in freedom. Thank you for the cross. Take that cracker in your hand. It symbolizes his broken body. The Apostle Paul said that the Lord took the bread and he broke it. I want you to do that between your fingers. I want you to break it and feel that. The force of your fingers and your thumb breaking that. He's broken body. Would you say that for me? Partake of it tonight, would you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your broken body. The beard they pulled from your face. The crown of thorns they drove into your head. <laughs>
the nails that pierced your wrists and feet, the spear in your side, the flogging, 39 lashes, tearing the flesh from your back, the punching, the kicking, the spitting, the nakedness and shame. Thank you for your broken body for me. The Apostle Paul then said after supper, he took the cup and in the same way offered it and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. A new covenant. A new deal. A new agreement where God signs on and says, here is what I will do. I'll shed my blood to cleanse you of your sin. Free you from all unrighteousness. And make you able to stand in my presence without fear and with great joy. With this new covenant, he's the one who's able to keep you from falling. And present you without fault. This is the new covenant in his blood. For you, would you say for me? Let's partake of it together. Thanks for listening to the Lakemount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.